give me the good shit. Okay, the good shit is I'm on hot spot because it's fucking cold here in Launceston. It's one degrees and it's midday. It's um, ridiculous. Uh, but we have chosen to do this on Riverside.fm because it uploads automatically into Anchor, which is a, which Spotify just acquired. Because Spotify does video podcasts now, so you can watch the video, but you've got to upload through Anchor. That's wild. I wonder how big your Anchor is. They just go out and buy a company. Well, they do, money. right? They got tons of cash. They need to do something with all that money. Hundred million plus they purchase Anchor for Spotify. How old is Anchor, mate? Hundred million, uh, and it's powering eighty percent of new podcasts on Spotify. Wow, that's wild. One point three million shows it had on Anchor. That's insane. Oh, shit, and they sorry, quite this, mate. Quite it for a hundred mil. That's insane. Looking at uh, Spotify share price, mate. Woof. Peaked up at uh, 364 bucks US a share. Down to 102, mate. Just whew, like the rest of them. Man, the market's been wiped out, hasn't it? Oh, well, but mind you. Do you see crypto? Took a big yeah. hit last night, mate. Bitcoin's like, what, 26K? Bitcoin's 26K. ETH at 1400. Oof. Man, I, I don't even look anymore. I haven't looked at my portfolio in six months. You just don't, just don't want to cry? You just got to stay clear. <laughs> yeah, I speak to right. so many I speak to so many newbies who like have bought in November and you know panic sell on the way down because they're just so fixated on their portfolio price. Hundred percent. You know what's wild? Like so I've been buying since twenty seventeen. Never sold. I don't think I've ever sold, but I have just like sold Bitcoin and ETH to buy like shit coins or like NFTs and that's where yeah. I got fucking wrecked, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But all my like BTC and ETH stack, I'm just I don't know. <clears throat> Just not really a seller. I just can't be fucked with tax, mate. It just annoys me so much. I think like the the 2017 era, like the sort of like middle OG squad of 2017. Middle uh, OG, have a go. Mid, middle <laughs> OG. I'm going to call, call us middle OGs. Like that was the era of having th- like 30 different coins. Like you'd load up, you'd, yep. be on, you'd be on Binance or CoinSpot and you'd just have like, you'd have a 30 bagger. Um, I think the, the, the latest generation is like maybe like five to 10 alts. And I think this next generation is going to be even smaller. Like, I think it's going to go to a point where, you know, no one's buying alts or no one gets excited about alts right now because, you know, retail investors come in, they're piling at the top. Alts are down 80, 90%. There's no good alts performing at all really right now. Um, yeah. Apart from like maple, you know, but everything else is like, you just got to be focused on BTC and ETH, I think moving forward. They're not the flavor of the month at all, mate. And I'm even looking at them. And I'm just like, Ugh. like what? Like I look at these and I'm like, okay, what fundamentally has to change for them for price appreciation? And really, it's just a market trend going upwards, and it will just rise with them, right? Oh, there's a few that I hold, but I've still kind of lost belief in what they're doing. I haven't been in their discourse. I've been looking at what they've been creating, and there's just like a lot of them, even like really nerdy ones like IOTA, where it's like they're doing great things, but they're kind of following other coins and they're not quite there. And it's very research focused and nerdy. It's almost like they need a lot better kind of product and marketing people to bring that along, um, really get adoption up. That's another thing. You look at usage and you're like, people just aren't like using a lot of these things or people are being wrecked or there's no reason to get in. And now, you know, you go to the, like you're saying, the top couple, BTC and ETH, and there is like what they're like 50 to 60 percent down at the moment and it's a, a pretty pretty decent investment like that's where you put your money over yeah. you know those altcoins that are down 90 percent plus it was like 2018 we were talking about this a little while ago but it's just a few weeks ago like 
we had that drop from 3,000 USD ETH to 2,000, sitting around 2,000 just not long ago. It felt very similar to 2018 when Bitcoin was sitting around the $9,000 mark and everyone thought it was like well, nine to 8,000 US. Everyone thought it was like, fuck, that's the bottom. And then a few days later, we dropped to like three and a half thousand. Like that's the, there was, there hadn't been that sort of knife in the wound twist, get on the ground, kick in the face yet. And I feel as though we're probably going through that now. Oh mate, I remember I had a trade on and I went, and it was a long-term trade, right? Um, I'm pretty sure it was like a BTC ETH pairing or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh yeah, okay. I mean, it wasn't a lot of money or anything like that. And then like it'd be going for a week, went for another week. It's kind of like a little bit in. I'm like, yeah, 5% up that kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, I think it's going to go pretty well. Anyway, forgot about it. Completely forgot about it, right? And then like went on a trip to Japan with the boys and I get over there and I'm like, fuck because i got this email and it's like you're about to be margin called i'm like yeah <laughs> fucked and i'm in japan right and i'm like trying to log in well two-factor authentication is not working because i'm in a different fucking time zone it's all i'm in this hotel room that's the size of a bed and i'm like oh my god and guys like yeah let's go let's get on the piss let's go like we're going to this place called popeye that has 100 beers on tap it's just, it's an amazing place i'm like fuck so i'm like quickly like logging in trying to add liquidity <laughs> like god damn so my like, final add a little bit and that whole trip and in the end like three or four days in i was like fuck it just cut the trade and then just had an awesome trip yeah i couldn't imagine being a trader like you know actively trading you literally because the market doesn't stop like it's impossible to take your mind off things you know as we yeah. know like you know taking your mind off and getting a good break in any sort of business venture whatever is so important but as a trader you know, if you're actively trading, it, you can't stop. You know, you can't just turn you turn the sort of turn the like the headlights off, right? Uh, it's I, a constant battle. Yeah, I tried for a while and I had some really decent trades because especially when there were flash crashes on, and if you got everything set up and you can get in like really cheap, you make a lot of money really quickly. But what I found was I was spending a lot of time trying to see things in the market, a lot of time in front of the screen away from my friends, away from my family. I had to turn off a lot of my emotion. I had to be absolutely brutal with my decisions. Um, and it affects you and your emotions quite a lot and who you are as a person. And that carries over into your non-trading life. And that was just that trade-off for that amount of money was just not worth it for me. Even if that was a full-time wage, it's just, I was just a slave to this screen. And it was really affecting what I had built and you know the personal growth that I've gone through to be the person that I want to be and the price was just too high for me. Yeah, agree. Agree, Tote, like you, yeah. And, and I think once you get to the numbers that really makes it worthwhile, the, 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 the stress that you're under when you're trading hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars is unbelievable. And you have to be so unemotional. Like I am the opposite of that. Like I would, I've never tried it because I know it'd be fucking terrible. Because I'm too, I'm too emotional. Like, you know, yeah. you have to be so like a robot, right? Like you have to be yeah. so dis, like, you know, distract, not distracted, but so disjointed from the actual trade and be so, um, you know, level thinking at all times and can't have the ego of trying to turn a losing trade into a winning trade because that's really how you're going to lose bulk, bulk money. Yeah. It's a tough job and you have to be like unemotional with money where you've got your rules, you stick to your rules, you're like a robot acting. If your trade is down a certain percent and it hits your rule, you just cut it. And it's hard because we have these kind of, it's a psychology of money, right? Like we have these emotional attachments. It could be this, it could be that. And it's hard to think not in the moment and long-term and over time, if you're sticking to your strategy, 
you know, any gain, you know, you've got a few percent advantage in whatever you're doing, you will win over time. But to see that out is just insane. It takes a long time. And then you also got to think, who's on the other side of that trade? All those people that are better than you, right? That have been doing this for years. I have more sophisticated equipment or algorithms or, you know, more money than you so they can stay solvent longer than you can. It's, oh, mate, it is so full on. I think too, like people sort of buy into that dream of, I remember 2017, like people like that were plumbers and like tradies quitting their jobs to become a crypto yeah. trader, you know, like, you know, selling the dream of like, you know, financial freedom through trading. And I'm like, yeah, okay, for maybe 5% of people, but 90, 95% of people are going to lose money trading because like you said, there's bigger boys, bigger computers, bigger algorithms, they're going to shit oh. on you. Like if you're, if you don't know what you're doing. And it moves, crypto moves so fast as well. And like back in the day, it was kind of one of those things where you're hunting for news or, you know, you've got a small position in something and then it lists on Coinbase. It was like a lot easier, but now there's just, things are so interconnected and interdependent that you've got hardly any kind of, you know, control and hats off to the people that do this for a living, mate. Yeah, yeah. You guys are weapons. Like you're on the next level. Like that is, that's dedication for you. And you're right with the tradies as well. Like one of my mates, Ben, he's a landscaper, right? And he's got an offsider. And every single day he's on like, first he's on like normal stocks buying like specky miners and all this kind of stuff. He's on like hot copper and all these forums. Then he's into crypto and he's asking me about, I don't know, some pancake bakery shit. I don't fucking know what it is. And he's like, what do you think about this? I'm like, lad, I've never heard of it. It's probably going to zero. And he's like, nah, man, made like squillions. I'm like, oh shit, son. And then poor bastard didn't know about tax. So I had to tell him a bit about that. And he, he almost cried, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's like that when your mates start saying that to you, like when I go out with my mates for a meal and they're like, oh, tell me about this coin. And usually they're just like, shut up, Aaron. I don't want to hear about fucking crypto. It sounds like um, Hex, you know, these Ponzi schemes that uh, sort of come out and, you know, promise all these returns and you have these, all this money in your account. And, you know, I even met some buddies of mine, won't name names that, you know, I play golf with and sort of telling me about, that they've made all this money on Hex. I'm like, Oof. dude. Wait, like, wait, wait. Is that real money? Can they get that out or it just That's what I mean. Uh, so I asked three questions. It's like, okay, how does how does the mechanisms work? Do you get paid for referring people? Yes, okay. Check that box, check number two. Have you ever tried to withdraw money? No, right? Check box number two. Number three, yeah, what, what has that value sort of continued to go up over time? And do you have like restricted periods that you can't withdraw that money? Is that time lockups? No, uh, sorry, yes. So there's three yeah. sort of clear tick boxes in my opinion that that is like all heading towards a Ponzi scheme. And it's like the Holy Trinity, it, mate. <laughs> it's like, you know, tick, tick, tick. And it's, it's scary because these are smart people, you know, that it's like a cult. You're buying to this, this oh. like, you know this emotion and everyone's like a team and you've got this fearless leader and you're gonna you know revolutionize the world and like and oh so i was just watching something last night inventing anna have you heard about this i have heard of that yeah so the reason the yeah the reason we got onto it was because uh ruthie from ozarks is in it and she's a beast you you ever watch ozarks yeah yeah Ozarks. oh mate she's a weapon oh even that last thing he's like better fucking kill me (laughs) oh so good goosebumps mate anyway so start watching this show and it's about this uh German girl and uh, she's basically a con artist and she even hooked up with the guy from the fire festival that did all that con shit which was hilarious right (laughs) anyway she's she's going around and doing all this kind of um, uh, 
Conrada stuff and convincing people that, you know, she's rich, there's money on the way, Barker people just believing that. her. Yeah, oh, yeah. mate. It is, it is so, so wild. And the, the crux of this was, and there was this one kind of like piece in the show where they're just like, uh, they're talking about, I think it was, she was in New York and they're talking about money. And it's like, as soon as you talk about money and you promise people money and a better future, the whole city is driven on it, that any kind of, you know, rational thought or due diligence or anything just goes out the window. It's, like, it's kind of like Theranos, right? Where it's just like you have that overwhelming narrative, right? And people just believe you and they want to believe you and because the future is going to be bright and you're going to make tons of money that you kind of put the normal checks you would do off to the side. And that's what I'm seeing Dude. in crypto as well, man. Okay, so we've got a story. So I was, I was already obviously in, the, in America the last couple of months and uh, walking down Hollywood, like the, the where the stars and shit are, like walking down Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood's fucking disgusting, by the way. Don't go to Hollywood. We're down Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> and we go down this, um, you know, down the street, and there's these people selling a free personality test. You know, are they Scientologists? They're Scientologists. Oh. Now, now, just back to I've never heard. I, like, I might have heard Scientology before, like, but never actually knew what it was. But you, you didn't know it was Scientology. Like, that wasn't there. It was like free personality test. I was like, fuck you, I'll do a free personality test. Anyway, <laughs> 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 gotcha, mate. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hooked already. Here we go. All of a sudden, like we'd had a few beers, like we're, you know, I'd probably had three or four beers and just roll <laughs> nice. in the Sally test Friday afternoon, Hollywood. Go in. All of a sudden, I'm sitting down doing, doing a 30 minute, like proper fucking like high school test, like a 200 question test. Oof. And after three pints and, you know, a, a burger, I was like, man, like I was like dozing off trying to do this test. <laughs> Anyway, nailed it because I'm like, you know, wanted, crush the wanted, test, yeah. Wanted to crush the Self, test. Self-rated five stars, not, yeah. Not competitive. Want to get a good <laughs> IQ. Did the test. Uh, got my results back, and I'm just like, just awful at everything. Emotionally, like I'm like, I don't even remember. Like I'm, um, I'm, I'm lonely. I'm sad. I'm like, just like, I'm just awful. Like just, just rugging the bottom, like of everything, and then. <laughs> But then IQ was like straight up. I was like, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take the IQ. <laughs> <laughs> the EQ, basic- cr- EQ down in the dumps, IQ just crushing. Yeah. They're like, so you're a sad human, but you're smart. So that <laughs> was like the results. Anyway, so going to this like cubicle. And at this stage, I still have no idea what's going on. There's people walk around in suits. It's like clean. I'm getting like free drinks. But what the hell is this place? Like a general, I'm like, who's paying for Like you guys get paid? Anyway. So wait, you still have no idea this is Scientology at this point? No idea. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Well, this is a sick personality test. And uh, anyway, (laughs) so you go in this cubicle and this lady's like dressed up in a suit and tie and she's like, right, let's go through your results. And she's like, so Ben, you know, like you're quite low on confidence. Can you tell me more about that? Anyway, so like a half an hour went through and I was like, right, okay. And then, then, then there was the pitch. So the pitch rolled in. I was like, Actually, no, it wasn't at the end. It was every point. So it was 10 different points you could be sort of ticked off on. And every point she's like, da-da-da-da, but we can help you. You're low at this, but we can help you. And this yeah. went on, right, until the end of it. And she's like, so we've got a seminar that can basically help you. It's a two-and-a-half-hour seminar. Uh, that should, you know, that, you know, right after this discussion, we'll go in and take you in and do this, like, two-and-a-half-hour seminar. I was like, hell no, I'm doing a two-and-a-half-hour seminar. Like, I'm going to go back to the pub. Like, you bet you... Kept me in here for an hour. 
Anyway, so she's got books. She's trying to sell me the course. She's got DVDs rolling oh, out. Jeez. Um, she got me hook, line, and sinker. I paid a hundred bucks for these books, and uh, oh mate, yeah, copped it. Still have no idea what Scientology. I'm like, what, so how, what is this? Like, who wrote these books? Who are you? You're getting paid. She's like, no, like I'm a volunteer here. And then I was yeah. like, oh, she's like, yeah, no, I've worked here for eleven years. I'm like, she's like my age. I was like, what do you, what do you mean you've been here for eleven years, volunteer? Like, what are you doing? She's like, yeah, like I live here. Like, what does everyone live here? She's like, yeah, everyone lives here. Like, I know it's a bit weird, but like, I love it. Like, so, like, but what do you do? Like, you know, she's yeah, she's like, it's this is like a religion. That's like, but it's science. Like, right? And <laughs> <laughs> you got anyway, alarm bells so at that point. You're like, alarm bells are like, okay, hound. So I was like, got out of there at the end. Like two hours later, I was like, fuck. And the beers, beers wearing off. <laughs> beers wearing off. I'm tired. She's like, she's reeling me in. She's like, I'll give you tea. I'm like, now I've got like a headache. Like. I want to go back to pub. Like we're only here for a night. She's like, no, like let's go to the seminar. I'll give you tea. Give you pan up. Anyway, long story short, went home and googled Scientology. And I'm like, oh shit, um, that's like full on. You know, like this is a whole like cult going oh. on here. So, so mate, how would you rate the pitch? Was it a good pitch? Oh, but man, I bought a hundred bucks of the books. <laughs> there you go. She look at this. So you got something to learn here, mate. So she opened your wallet. And oh mate, and if if a person like yourself who's got I would say a pretty decent bullshit detector, yeah. not that Scientology is bullshit, but for things you don't like, and to to get you to open your wallet, mate, there's something we can learn here. I also go on, go on. I was gonna say so that like nothing at any point spoke about Scientology, like or religion or like any of that. It was a personality test into a thirty minute me giving them something. I wanted the results into a consultation session around how they could help me focusing on my vulnerabilities to sell me a solution to those vulnerabilities. It was oh. only a hundred dollars. Like I was oh. seeing this thing was gonna be like fucking 10 grand or some shit. She's like, here's the books, yeah, it's a hundred bucks. You just pay for the expenses, you know, and we'll, we'll sort you out. Like the whole, and, and, and just take a step back. I had no idea what Scientology was until the end of it. You know, and I'm like, I started asking questions. Like I don't get any of this. Like what the hell is actually going on here? Then the alarm bell started ringing, did some research like, oh shit. This is amazing. This is like a, a class, a master class in like design thinking where they're like, oh, hey, I'll, and this is what medicine does as well, by the way, where they're like, hey, I'll diagnose you. This is an objective thing. Ooh, there's a problem. Let me help you fix that problem. And like going through it and there's like elements of kind of communication, trying to build trust, reciprocity because they've done something for free for you. And I even like the thing where it's like, I don't know how they, they benchmark their test, but just what you said where you're like, oh, my EQ is like really down and I'm lonely and I'm this and I'm that. That's a problem area they focus on, but they give you the carrot where it's like, my IQ is really high. I'm just freaking smart, which you yeah, may yeah. well be, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. like, you know, that kind of dichotomy of I'm up here there, but I'm like down here at wall. I should yeah. address those. I'm smart. I should have these yeah. as well. Oh, it's just, it's a beautiful setup, man. That's, that's, oh. I like it. It. From a business perspective, this is fantastic. No, it's great. Like, especially volunteers. Like, let's get some more of those. <laughs> oh, that's exactly it. And like, yeah, so again, I don't know much about Scientology, but out the front of um, uh, the Scientology place we've got in the city, yeah, they're out the front offering free personality tests. And all I know about Scientology is like a couple of documentaries and a couple of South Park episodes. <laughs> but it's, it's very, very interesting where immediately you're doing a test they're giving you something for free and they're talking about some of your most personal things that you may not have yes. talked about anyone with. Yes. And they, and they relay back those points and go, 
So Ben, you know, I can see you're, you know, controlling or that we see you don't, you live, I wasn't controlling, I was like living day, like day by day, not, not really a vision. Like I was sort of just going with the flow. And they hone in on that point and sort of relay some like maybe some insecurities or some things around that point that may actually resonate with you and they go, but we can fix that. You know, and then move on to the next scene. And, you know, even up on the wall, it's like pre pre solution or like the, the chart of you all low and then like post solution. Everything's like nines and tens and you're happy and you know. Yeah. Isn't this wild. so so interesting where they're delving into a part of your mind that you may not have gone into before, right? So this will be your first experience. Um, unless you're kind of, you know, you're very reflective, you've looked at things like philosophy or psychology, or you've been to a psychologist, you've done work, those kind of things. This may be your first experience. You're like, wow, I've never delved into that well before. This is a whole new thing. This could be the thing that I need. And as humans, the first thing we're told we generally believe, right? Like, it's like you grow up, your parents are like, oh, I'm this religion, you're that religion. You just don't question it, right? Yeah. yeah. It is you so believe, wild. Yeah. What a business. What a business. Yeah, it was crazy. So, and then I went outside, looked at the building. It's a huge building. This is in Miller yeah. Hollywood. And all these people just live there. And anyway, wild business. Speaking of the US, <clears throat> US is fucking crazy, man. Holy shit. Like, how's your trip, uh, mate? So, bring it on. I, w- I want you to do a look back on the States. It's the first time you've been. I haven't been. You went there for what, six weeks, something like that? Yeah, two months. We're only going for a oh. month, stayed an extra month. Wild. Absolutely nuts. So, two million people in Australia own crypto, 60 million own crypto in the US. Every Jeez. second billboard in Miami was like crypto.com, FTX, like NFT this, NFT that. Like, it was huge. Even Times Square in New York, like, the like it was just filled with like NFT mints. Like, this was. Sort of sounds you know, like home, mate. I need to go. Yeah. It's wild, man. Uh, Bitcoin, Miami, crazy. Miami itself is just crazy. There's so much money there. Like, like three wheeled cars driving around, people smoking weed, like women twerking on the back of cars driving around doing laps. Like, it is just it's crazy. It sounds like a ludicrous video, mate. It sounds amazing. <laughs> it's 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 um like it's like holy shit. And then it gets to a point we were there for a week in South Beach and it was like, okay, this is too much. Like this is actually way too much. There's so much going on here. Everyone's just like partying and like driving around in Lamborghinis, smoking weed. Like it was, it's just nuts. I don't know what anyone does there. Everyone's just partying. Oh my God, anyone makes money. Um, so Miami was wild. Weather's unbelievable. Definitely gonna go back to Miami. Love New York. I'm going back on Friday for NFT NYC. Nice. New York's sick. Manhattan's awesome. So busy, so many people. Pizza's sick. <laughs> uh, you know, I think the, 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 probably the, my best moment was like, went down, it was just in San Diego, went down to a, like a pizza bar. Like you, you, you sort of, when you think of like a New York pizza joint, corner pizza bar, baseball was on, had a, like a pint or what do they call it of, um, uh, what's their beer over there? Uh, the, I can't remember what they're, Bud Light, P- pint of Bud Light. <laughs> Unfortunate. And, <laughs> and a pizza and just watch the baseball. And I was like, okay, this is like the picturesque, you know, US sort of, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon. So USA. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so patriotic. Like we went to Washington DC and everyone was like, you know, lawns are mowed perfectly, flags out the front. Everyone's just sort of like doing their thing. Very patriotic in some places. You got to pledge uh, that allegiance to the flag, baby. 100% man. Versus LA. LA is just dirty. Um, <laughs> just like, yeah. 
busy, overpopulated. Man, we got dropped off. So we caught a bus from San Diego to LA. Uh, the bus broke down 15 minutes into a three-hour trip. Amazing. We, bro- we broke down the middle of a 14-lane highway, seven lanes each way. We're in the middle of it in a fucking 40-seat bus. Bus, bus tire blew up, sat there for two hours. The, 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 what are they called? The police, the highway police came, shut the whole highway down while we're like driving across the road. I was like, do, 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 you know, to the other side of the road. Finally got the tire fixed, took us seven hours to get to LA. They dropped us off in downtown LA next to the downtown county prison in LA. Amazing. Every shop there, no shit, was a prison, um, bonds place. <laughs> Prison, bonds, liquor store. <laughs> Prison, bonds, and liquor stores. Literally, all the sides were 1% bonds. Get your ass out of prison for 1% loans everywhere. There's like 15 of these bond stores. <laughs> what, what you're describing is me playing Grand Theft Auto. Like, literally, that's what it's like, man. <laughs> Sounds exactly like it. I know it all the like, streets, mate. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, let's get the fuck out of here. Like, let's, you know. <laughs> Holy um, shit. So people bang on about LA and how awesome it is. Is that just a scam or what? Or some parts are awesome, some parts. You gotta be rich Beverly, or what? Yeah, Beverly Hills was un- unreal. Hi- so hired a Ferrari. <laughs> Boy. Yeah, so hired a- <laughs> Just casually. Yeah, hired a Ferrari for half an hour. Cause it was 200, 200 bucks for half an hour. Like it was, it was all right. How much um, was the insurance, mate? You're young. All, in- all inclusive. They actually yeah. insured someone like you. Like me, who's Oof. never driven on the left-hand side of the car, <laughs> on the right-hand side of the road. So like, fuck it, let's get in a Ferrari and, and you, go around. And you're young, you're in a Ferrari, you look dodgy, and you've got young. glasses, mate. I would not lend you anything. <laughs> young, I'd had three beers. I was like, glasses. <laughs> I'm Australian. So good. So good. <laughs> Ferrari, let's go, baby. So get in a Ferrari. Um, go around Beverly Hills. Unbelievable. We're listen- listening to like, um, you know, I don't know who will, you know, just sort of rap me. I, I just felt like an absolute king going around like Beverly Hills. So cheapest houses he was saying around Beverly Hills is like 10 to 20 million per house. Expensive wow. places are like 90 to 100 mil. And he was pointing out like there's Katy Perry's house, there's Justin Bieber, David Dobrik, Britney Spears. Like they all live there or have houses there. That is so um, wild. Yeah, and you see their backyards in their videos just looking down a massive hill. But then you don't realize if you turn the other way, the hill goes up further. <laughs> and the it's really, crazy, really rich man. people are up there. It's all got helicopters and stuff. Yeah, Steven Spielberg. And have you ever got these little communities where they have like army, like an army base, like an army, yeah. think of like the, the huts. Gated, like gated communities. Gated communities. And they literally got like, machine guns at the front. Yeah, there's like AK 47s. Like, you want to come in here, baby? Like, I'll fucking shoot you up. Like, yeah. you know, then that's where all the rich guys live. Like, there was like, um, yeah, boxers, UFC fighters, they all live down as like millionaire row, whatever it's called. Anyway, just That's so crazy. Wild. So much money. Anyway, so the Ferrari was sweet. And did, yeah, you, put, did you put the boot in or what on the Ferrari? Did you give it a bit, give it the beans? Oh, yeah, we down the highway. Yeah, go the beans. I was shitting them the first because going around like Hollywood, <laughs> it was like, you know, which way do you turn? You give way the opposite direction. And they gave it the beans down the highway. That was really opened it up. It sounds so sick. Oh, Ferrari. man. I'd love to just drive one of those in a, t- in a tunnel or something and just listen to it, mate. Oh, oh it's so it's sick. It's like paying take foot off and just bang. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, man, so US was sweet. One thing that wasn't sweet is flying internationally. Have you flown internationally before? Like, Oh, yeah. Since? I've done the shit trips like to London and stuff. Oh, oh it's like... What, what, it's, what, yeah, the, what the, cabin? the longest what? haul I've been on is like 13 hours, I think. What cabin? Well, like, what seat were you in? Economy, man. Oh, dude. Yeah. 
I'm small and I was in premium economy and I was like, fucking someone come and like shoot me. This is so bad. Like, I know that sounds bad, but like the, knee, the the way over was okay. Way back was 17 hours because we were delayed on the tarmac and no yeah. shit. Like the knees were like hurting. It was like, couldn't sleep. It was just so oh. shit. I've never had a problem with like knee space. So I'm oh, six foot one, six foot two on a good day. Never had a problem with knee space, right? So on the way over, I think I was in like a 747 or something, like older plane, yep. but really big. And on the way back, I was lucky I got the A380, right? Like the double-decker oh, one, nice. yeah. heaps more space. And I was a bit, had a bit of a cold and I just passed out the whole way. I was pretty nice. lucky. But on the way over, I just I wanted to kill myself. Like eight hours in, I'm like, nah, I've had it. I'm just feeling claustrophobic. I'm looking at those exit doors going, oh, I could just pull that and jump out. Like, <laughs> Like, it's, wow, wow, uh, first world problems, right? But yeah, first like, world it problems, gets, yeah. It gets you, like, especially when you're excited about your trip, you haven't slept the night before, you're wondering if you left stuff at home, yeah. the food shit, you're on a plane, you just, oh, you got some peanut snoring next to you, kids that are bloody screaming in the front, and you're like, oh, man, it's getting to me. It's, um, it's, it's, it's shit. Like, so we flew premium economy, and I'm going back on Friday, the cheapest cheapest business class flights I could find was Fiji Airways. So we're going via Fiji. We, I'm going via Fiji. Um, 12,000 Australian, 11,000 Australian dollars is return. That was the cheapest. Yeah. Qantas business was $40,000 return. Jesus Christ. You need to get that business credit card going, son. Rack up those points so you can upgrade to business. <laughs> Dude, the, like, yeah, we're trying to get the application going. But yeah, like airline points, I think is the only way to do it. You know, when you're yeah. sort of actively flying. Because, like, it's just ridiculous. It's so expensive. And if you're doing, like, constant trips, like, I couldn't keep going back and forth in the economy. I'm just going to die. You know, like, it's so shit. So, yeah. trying to find those cheaper business class, you know, with the, the points. But the airlines, I think we need to own an airline one day. Because I'm like, holy shit, these guys probably making bank. You know, they, and they make all their money in the first class, like, business seats. That's where they're making yeah. bank. That, that pays a lot of it. So, I actually did, like, um, in B school, we did a... Um, uh, business case on airlines, right? And this is the thing. If you look at like barriers to entry, the fixed costs are so fucking much. Like yeah. the amount you need to do to own all those planes and then have the registration and all the yeah. fucking, you know, at the airport, like where you land and all that kind of shit. It is ridiculous the amount of capital you need, which is why Virgin almost went broke. They had to get yeah. like bailed out or throw more money in. It is just, they've really locked down the industry. It's not that competitive at all. It was pretty cool, like, back in the day when they had Concorde where you could fly really fast, you know, but then, like, one of the planes exploded or something like that. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. But I really think, like, everyone says that, but <clears throat> there is place for disruption in, you know, this this whole airline thing, right? And, like, yeah. people come in, like, Virgin come in, oh, we've got the best service, we've got this, we've got that. But over time, that just gets eroded away and it all becomes yeah. very, very similar. How much revenue per year do you think Qantas did in 2019? So pre-COVID? Pre-COVID. Oh, I'm going to throw a figure on it. No idea. Six bill? 18 billion. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> that is, it wild. is wild. How wild is oh, that? $18 billion. <clears throat> that's just Qantas. But that's the thing. Like people, people have shifted away from like... I remember back in the day. Okay, so when I was... Well, year two, so 1992, uh, I went to India with my mum. And I remember even those planes, like they had so much, even in economy, they had so much room. The service was great. Food was still shit ass. Oh, I still remember this fucking, like I was literally six years old. I had this little 
fucking thing from Qantas and it was like gravy <laughs> with like these lumpy things. It looked like someone had just chundered in this thing. And I remember as a kid trying to eat it and like, you know, be good for my mum. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I had a vom on the plane and then I passed out till we got home. It was so fucked. It was like- So like, it's like the old KFC potato and gravy, but it's like off and like old and, you know. Oh, it's, it, look, okay. KFC potato and gravy is a 10 out of 10 compared to this fucking thing. This was like something like, some like shit they scraped off the floor and just go, yeah, this will do, mate. Like it was so, so bad. But I remember like, it was like a luxury thing going on an airline there back then. The seats were great. Everything was really cool. Like they didn't really have, I can't even, I think, I don't even know if they had TVs and stuff back then. I was too young to remember. But since then people like, you know, there's a lot of um, globalization. People want to be more mobile. So it became a volume game. So it went from a premium product down to a volume kind of thing. And it's just, it's super interesting. Like how the whole thing's evolved and even having things like the internet as well where you know you can sell seats you can sell them more expensive close to the time or cheaper and you can advertise how you actually get all of those sales in order to fill that plane otherwise it's wasted space and even like a lot of business class yeah generally fills up but like first class a lot of planes don't even have first class anymore yeah so people just don't go for it it's wild how they do like i think i'm not sure this happened to you but you go to buy a ticket and then like you come back like an hour later, 20 minutes later, whatever, the price has changed. We're doing this yeah. out there on Fiji Airways. We're about to buy these tickets. And then like when another tab came back and the price is like 30% more. Like the the algorithms on who they know is trying to buy tickets and when you come back and like, it's what? It's so crazy. Like, can you imagine all the data scientists behind that? And the same with hotels, right? Where it's like, okay, we've got a hotel. We've sold, I don't know, 60% of our stock. And the general room price, you're like, okay, 60 is good. Then they start increasing the price, let's say until you sell another 10%, they've got 20% left over, right? And instead of selling it at a rock bottom price and filling the hotel, you're like, well, we could just double the price and sell half the amount. Like playing with those kind of, yeah. that kind of testing and human psychology and people needing the room, like really screwing those people down that absolutely have to stay somewhere. So they have to pay the money. And there's, you know, then of course the fixed costs become less when you spread it out across a room because you're doing less laundry, you're doing less stuff because you're charging twice as much. Mm. It's phenomenal. It's huge that da- data side, like data is the, uh, I mean, over the last probably five, 10, 15 years, been a huge driver for massive business growth in a lot of these, you know, higher end, yeah. like, you know, let's say Amazon, for example, like the, the teams of data scientists they have, even if you think like casinos and like, this is not data scientists, but like human psychology and like, really tapping into the emotion and the way we think to manipulate what you see and what you do and oh. how you feel so people can like, this is the shit you get off on, mate. Like this is like, you know. <laughs> yeah, da- this is the thing. Like data is a new oil. So this is my jam, right? And you think about this, any app you open on your phone, whether you're talking Tinder, Twitter, Instagram, email, anything, literally you're on your phone and there's an app. On the other side of that app, you've got teams of data scientists neuroscientists, psychologists, software engineers, software developers, all of these people hacking your brain. So you get a little dopamine hit and you stay in those apps longer or they build habit loops that you don't even know are happening. And you feel these physical things and compulsions in your body to check your fucking email when you don't really need to. You've got no chance whatsoever. The way the notifications hit you, the font, the thing you see first, the network effects with your friends. So you have to answer. Otherwise your friends will get pissed off and they'll call you in real life. And then you have to go back to the app. It's absolutely insane. And then like even the things you can do like nowadays. So first of all, you got a platform, right? 
You can see who's logging in, the traffic, the time, what they're doing, every little action, and you get every little data point that you can just plug away at, you can hack away at, you can do your statistics over the top and find gold, you find insights. But then you've even got programs that will like literally put that on your website and replay where people are clicking, what they're doing, where their eyes are looking. You've got so much information. And then on top of that, you can get all of that info, you can hack away and you can then release features to select groups. So you could say like, and I'm pretty sure I read something on Facebook doing this where you're like, okay, we're gonna release negative emojis or something like that. Or we're only gonna show these people this amount of stuff, like more negative sentiment stuff. So we'll choose, say we got, you know, 2 billion users, users we're gonna choose 2000 people that we do this to. They get the new features, they don't even know. And then they measure and they're constantly, constantly testing second by second to see, do these people engage more with negative stuff? Are they using the platform more? What does this mean long-term? Then they roll it out to more and more and more and you don't even know what's happening. That's wild, <laughs> absolutely wild. And I it's think insane. On, on a, uh, cause I had an idea about like how I hate doing emails. But I think so many people get caught up into like, in, let's talk about it, you know, the business, for example, people get caught up doing those shorter time frame things because you get that hit of dopamine, you know, that you tick off the task list, you do your emails, you do these little things that feels good, but you're not actually getting deep work done. Yeah, and you feel like you're getting work done. Yeah. It's the illusion of work, right? The illusion. I'm being productive. And at the end of the day, what did I do? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. Like I replied a few emails and I don't know, you know. So I think that time blocking aspect, turning off notifications, like, deleting social media whatever you need to do to really like get that mental clarity uh, I've, I've even been like playing with my sleep recently because I've been getting that great sleep and like things like turning off your phone now before bed keeping it in the kitchen while you go to bed reading a book not like scrolling when you wake up you feel so much better you sleep better you're not groggy when you wake up yeah um, because those that, that dopamine that like excessive artificial chemicals is going to your brain just doesn't allow you to really switch off Hundred percent. Those habits that you're building, I do the same. Where like an hour before, I'll just set an alarm on my phone, and I'll either put it in another room or like put it in a wardrobe or something, and start reading a book. The one that I struggle with is like when I wake up, my phone alarm goes off, and then also because you motherfuckers, you wake up a couple of hours earlier than me, <laughs> and I've got this compulsion of like, oh, what's happening at work? What if work needs me? Oh, what's the Bitcoin yeah. price doing? What's happening? And then when I wake up, I'll probably go try to take a dump, and I'll get bored, so I'll take my phone with me, and like, fuck, I just gotta like, I gotta get out of that habit, man. Uh, I feel you. I feel you. When um when I was in the US, because you guys would be awake when I, or the other way around, you know, right early in my morning, you guys would just be going to bed, and it, you know you miss out on all the Australian time stuff. So waking up in America, I was like, I was like constantly like. What am I missing out on? What's going on? I need to check my emails. I need to check everything in like the first 30 seconds. And it's really bad because you're getting this loop of like your brain needs more of that dopamine because you've just got oh. like a million notifications and then you finish them all. And then like 10 minutes later, your brain wants more. And like you've got to sort of like really extend out. I'm trying to really extend out the time I look at my phone and like the way I balance it to just not be so overwhelmed. Yeah. It's like you start to get twitchy. It's like that crack, you know, fuck, I need yeah. it. And it takes yeah. like a good week or two to actually properly disconnect and just feel calm and not have this constant nagging in your head that I have to do stuff. One of the best things I've actually, I've got it here. So this is uh, the Daily Manifest. This is a thing by Jack Butcher. I'll hold it up, see if you can see it, right? And it's yep. like a very low-tech offline thing, right? Yep. And literally... I, I do this at night and it takes me five minutes. So on the right, you've got three macro goals that you want to achieve in 90 days. 
meso, which is 30 days, and then micro tasks, what you are doing today. And then you literally write it in between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. So you're always achieving your goals and you can measure against them. And it's offline, it's easy, it's free. If you go to Visualize Value, just download that and give it a crack. It has changed my life. I'm literally yeah. like going there and I'm like, oh, I want to achieve this thing and it's going to take me, fuck, like a year to do it. I'll write it in my 90-day goals. Within a week, I've achieved that thing just by working on it for one hour a day and carving out that space. That's yeah, it's called cat. The Daily Manifest. We'll put it in the show notes. It is amazing. And you'd be surprised at how quickly you can achieve your goals if you just focus on them and how good you feel. Like, you know, like our boy Trav says, are you running the day or is the day running you, right? Yeah, and by the time you get on your computer, you open Slack, you open your email, you talk to a few people, it's all over, you're done, right? <coughs> so you, this is like investing, you've got to pay yourself first. With this, you've got to put your mind first, the things you want to achieve. So I'll literally block out two or three hour slots a day where it's like, okay, I need to do these things. These are the minimum I need to achieve. I don't always get to them, but at least they're there. And if you achieve those things, no matter what happens in your day, you will feel so good. Totally. No, I feel you, man. I'm So my current way is I time block on uh, Google Calendar and then in my Asana. But I was getting to a point where I was trying to achieve like 18 things in a day and it'd just be overwhelming. Not gonna, if, you, if you're achieving like a, 18 things, those things are relatively unimportant. They're not important and you're just not achieving 18 things. That's the, that's the reality of it. So move them all to like a week. This is what I want to achieve in a week. And then just pick two or three things that are most important to tick off of the day and just focus on those three things. And it's amazing that those three things, usually the most important things, are the most difficult to do. So you're only usually getting two or three really hard things done per day, but you do feel that sense of accomplishment that you actually move the ball forward. You're not just sort of ticking off these like little ad hoc admini bullshit jobs. Oh, yeah. Even like with, um, and we've done this recently in our business, right? Where it's like, we've, we've all got our KPIs, we've got our tasks, we've got all this shit. <sighs> Too fucking hard in a startup, right? So we're just like, what are the three things we want to achieve this week, right? Everyone get around it, form your teams around the skill sets and let's get this done. And the results are astonishing and the whole team is feeling yeah. more relaxed and like we're achieving more. It is amazing. Because we're attacking it as a team. We're not all doing these like individual like things that aren't really correlating and we're doing like 14 things half-assed. So we're going to nail these three things this week and let's 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 fucking celebrate at the end of the week. Oh, that's exactly right. And even things like, you've read Atomic Habits, right? And it's like, you know, hey, simple things like habit stacking. Like I do that a lot, whereas the thing I don't like and then I'll stack it with something else. Or yeah. it's, it's like, um, oh, I don't mind working out. It's like, getting to the workout or the things leading up to it where I just want to bail out. And it's like a simple thing. It's like, just put your fucking shoes on and walk to the yeah. garage. That's it. Just, just do that. that. If you can do that, you're fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, don't think about it. Like I need to go to the gym, but I don't love it. I'm like, just don't yeah. think about it. Just go. And then I try and reward myself with a coffee afterwards. So I go to a cafe and grab like a takeaway coffee. And that's yeah. like, that's enough for me. Yeah. That is like the, it's one of those things where I was listening to a Peter Atia podcast. Um, he's this, this doctor, he's way into health, lots of stuff I don't understand. But it was basically, you know, the number one thing you can do is exercise, right? But And it's the most accessible to everyone. Anyone can get out, go for a walk or a run, right? Like, you know, if you're physically able or you can do some form of exercise. The problem is it's the hardest fucking thing to do, but it's also the highest ROI thing in the world, right? Yeah. It is so insane, isn't it? Where it's like, it's the best thing you can do for your body. It, it almost has zero downside or upside. Yeah. Yet we rarely fucking it's do it. I, I always put everything else ahead of that. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, 
whatever run, but like people want the fast track way. I've thought about it as well. Yeah. Like, let's go on a diet. Let's get this shake. Let's like do this like surgery. Let's like do all this oh. bullshit. It's like Gary Vee talks about it all the time. You want to get fit? Fucking eat healthy and go to the gym every day. Like that's yeah. all you need to do. Like I'm not going to sell you a course on how to do that. Just do it, you know? This, we, this is the thing. We all know what to do. You eat like kind of cleaner, unprocessed food, lean meats, vegetables, and you exercise. That's it. Get some sun, go for a walk. Happy days, right? But we want the quick fix. This is like investing as well, where it's like no one wants to get rich slowly. No one wants to buy Bitcoin and ETH or an ETF or whatever it may be and wait 30 or 40 years. They're like, no, I want to be a fucking trader. I want to be rich tomorrow. I want it all tomorrow. Yeah. The whole, I'm convinced, right? I'm convinced (laughs) that the key to life, like, well, no, one of the biggest success measures in life is the marshmallow test, right? Where it's What's like, that? you know, you sit you sit there and someone gives you a marshmallow and they say like, okay, if you can wait five minutes and not eat that, I'll give you another marshmallow. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. literally just compounding. Like yeah. even like us, we work together and, you know, relationships and integrity compound, right? And that compounds over time. It's the same That's with it. your investments. Don't interrupt that compounding. Same with yeah. your exercise and your eating well. Don't interrupt yeah. that compounding. Same in business. It's like, you know, especially like building a business in a crypto, like in crypto, like it is... It's tough. You're not going to see results quickly, especially if you're in a shitty market, right? Like, but it's one percent day after day compounding, and that's how you get better. Close your eyes for four or five years, and magically things will start to work. It is hard. Like that's easier said than done because we've all been in that trap of like, why isn't this working? Do we need to change this? Like being reactive. But if you really take that long perspective, that long viewpoint on anything, like you said, across all of life, usually things start to 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 pay off. Bitcoin is the number one in my opinion, and so many newcomers just don't understand that they're like trying to sell bottoms and like yeah sorry try to buy bottoms sell tops and do all this like just just buy slowly each week and just don't worry about it like stop looking at portfolio speaking of another business dude that i'm buddies with the other day it's like yeah no i sold everything because it's got like like and i'm waiting for the bottom i'm like you get like don't you know you're gonna miss it <laughs> what is it about humans where we have this all or nothing approach where it's always on or off where it's like I've even talked to some some of our um, uh, mutual friends that we work with when we had that meetup and they're like, oh yeah, I was close to like, you know, two mil on paper and like I was going to sell and I was going to buy a house, but I didn't quite get there. And I was like, bro, take like 10%, 20%, 30% off the table, like de-risk. And it's always all or nothing. Like I do this activity and then the activity happens and then I'm a millionaire and I'm done and I can sit on a beach. And there is like between that and doing nothing, there are a million opportunities that you can have. And it's that, it's that consistency over time and sticking to a strategy. And it's hard as well, like you, you mentioning, like we work in a startup, right? We work for Collective Shift and it's a startup. It's fucking hard. <laughs> Jumping on a, off a cliff and trying to assemble a plane on a way down is what they say, exactly like that. It's a bear market as well. And we have to stay focused on, you know, do we have customers? Are we building the right things? Is this the acquisition channel we want to do? How's our growth going? Balance all of these things short term, but then also look at the long term and what are we chasing? We know we're in the right game, but are we going in the right direction? Are we on the right bus? My God, (laughs) to balance all of those things and keep a cool head about it. That is a meta skill in itself, man. 100%. And usually the thing that you like, especially in crypto and investing, like doing the opposite of what everyone's doing is the hardest thing to do, but usually the right thing. Well, whether it be selling when things are super bullish, there's a lot of FOMO. The hardest, the best sell 
overdid. I, I sold a, a lot of my alts back in the bull market of 2021, was it? Or 20, nice. tw- oh, was it 2020? I can't remember now. 2021, they're both pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sold it, but it was like very hard to do that. But it was life changing money. It was like, okay, this could, like, it's worth X amount. It could go to Y amount, for example. But, you know, taking 10, 20, 30, 50% off the table was the best thing I ever did because they all capitulated. And it's hard at the time, and you're always checking. It's like, fuck, I could have sold like higher. It's gone higher because you never get right at the top, right? But looking back, it's be- best decision ever. You wrote it in AUD, you got dollars in the bank. It's like, okay, like we're sweet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is real dollars now. It's not just funny money. Yeah. For the for the first time, I think I actually had a plan with something, and that was Moonbirds, right? Because yeah. my other is just, you know, long-term capital growth. So I had a plan. And for those that don't know, Moonbirds was an NFT by Proof Collective. It was two and a half ETH to get in. So probably about 11,000 AUD, uh, maybe 8,000 USD. So anyway, I had my money, put it in, and they make you go into this lottery, motherfuckers. So I go in the lottery, don't win the lottery, great. Ben wins the lottery. Great. And, we, <laughs> right? and then and then, if you don't win the lottery, because only 8,000 spots, I think, because yeah. the proof, proof holders got to mint 2,000. Didn't get the lottery, but then there's like a second chance thing for people that don't mint, you get on the wait list, didn't get on the wait list. I was just disappointed. Anyway, I actually had a plan where I was like, right, <clears throat> On the way up to 10x, I was going to... Because with, with NFTs, this is the challenging thing, right? It's a non-fungible token, which means it's unique. You have to sell the whole thing, right? Unless you get into fractionalization, all this bullshit, which no one does. Um, very few people do that. So you have to sell the whole thing. It's like crypto where you reduce 10%, 20%. So I'm like, right, great. When this thing hits 25 ETH, I would sell that motherfucker. So I was just like, fine, whatever. And man, I was so filthy for about two weeks where within a week, it probably hit 25 ETH. Hit 40. We're talking 10x. So it goes from <laughs> 11 grand AUD to 110 grand AUD. And that night I was sleeping as well. So I actually went up to 30 and I would have sold it for like 30. And I'm so, so filthy. And they just kept pumping and pumping. And then I'm like, oh, but I would have sold anyway. I wouldn't have got that extra money. But it's just like having that strategy. and But, but also like when you know you're onto a winner and when they're building in more mechanics and they're like, yeah. now you can nest and now you can make this new thing and you know you're onto a good team, you have to sell the whole thing. That's insane. But that would have been the first time where I would have sold that because I had that strategy down. I would have been out 10X done. It's classic where we got rug talking about NFTs. <laughs> Happens all day, every day. It's just part and parcel. This is the game. <laughs> Ben's just showed me my face. It's like laughing off to the side. Why off to the side? That's a bit weird. Oh, well, let's deal with it. So, so yeah, Moonbirds. Yeah, Moonbirds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moonbirds would have been the the first kind of NFT where I stuck to a strategy and I had a plan and I would have executed a 25 ETH. That thing would have been sold and it would have been done and I would have been happy. Even though I went to the moon. And it's, you're right. It is so hard when things are pumping. Everyone's talking about it. It's got momentum and this thing is going up. You're like, yeah, I hit my target. But man, you know, there's a lot more left in the tank. 100%. And then what have we seen? I think it went to went to 40 ETH and now it's down to, I mean, uh, ETH's also halved as well. So you halve it again. So That's it interesting like, in real dollar yeah, terms. Real dollar terms. It went to, yeah, 2.5 ETH to 40 ETH-ish. They're like topped out of 40 ETH. So we we're talking like 120,000 and now it's down to the floors of 17, 17 ETH. At, so hang on, 17 yeah. times one, three. So 23K USD. Yeah. Uh, 32. So that's only a, a 3X, yeah. Yeah. That's um, really interesting. That's something people need to take note of as well. So yeah. we're getting 
you know, <laughs> they say NFTs are just leverage death, right? Like you're compounding, you're like betting on ETH again to increase your ETH stack, right? And if we think about it, everyone's like, oh, you know, Bored Apes is still 80 ETH or 100 ETH. Yeah, but ETH's more than halved in price. So what is that in real terms? Even though we think in ETH, right? Like what we're buying in dollar terms, it's actually a lot less. There are so many bargains out there. It is crazy. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I think the other side as well, like what I've found on the in real life aspect of the Moonbirds is like that the community aspect, which a lot of people don't really think of when they get into NFTs. Like when I was at Permissionless in, pa- in Palm Beach, we there was, an, there was like a Moonbirds lunch on and there was just a bunch of people rocked up and it was epic never met these guys i didn't know anyone there rocked up there's the chief of um staff at a really like high-end crypto company uh like really big like that everyone knows there was like uh board ape owners there was crypto funds there was financial like massive financial company sort of ceos it was wild like it's this just random lunch, had a few beers and just like connected and now we're sort of friends and we're going to connect when I go back to New York. Like, it is crazy, that sort of shit. Isn't that amazing where random people on the internet, 10,000 people on the internet, can buy a certain thing. Great, you've got the thing. You barrel into a Discord, you start talking, but then that spills over to real life where you can meet up with these random people and you all have this thing in common. What? Okay, so let's play this out. So you you went and bought a Moonbird. Uh, you're lucky enough to get one. You minted it. You jump into this Discord. You go to the States. You find out there's a meetup. You're like, sure, I'll go. When you walk into that room, mate, what are you feeling? What's the vibe? How was it? So first of all, I had no idea what they looked like. I was sort of like wandering out there like a, like a you know, lost Tasmanian that I was. No idea. I've only seen the Discord profiles, right? And we had like a little telegram group and then rolled up and I was like, yo, what's up? I'm Ben. <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, oh shit, Ben, how are you? And then we sat down. I was like, I'm Ben. We introduced each other. And then it was like, I don't even know what we're talking about. We're just talking about crypto. I was speaking to the chief of staff um, individual around, you know, their their transition from one company to another and what they do in crypto. And I was talking to the board Ape guys and they were like, there was three people, like literally they were coding their new startup at lunch. Like the guy next to me was like, oh, like shit. in, like coding some shit. There was another guy there on a phone call doing a deal with a startup he was just about to invest into. Then there was like more board ape guys came in and they were talking about like ape fest that's coming up in New York and we're sort of just spitting on that. I was asking them about collective shift and getting some feedback and some advice because they angel invest as well. I did a deal with the guy in the corner that runs like a financial company. So we're like literally a month on partnering up and doing some cool shit that's uh, amazing the guy the other guy the fun guy like you know i'm catching up with him again like got caught up on a zoom call the other day they're looking to potentially invest it's wild man absolutely wild so, so moonbirds is what maybe two months in since it minted if that yeah a- a- april i think april yeah april that's from yeah. june yeah yeah man two and a half months and- how wild is that so people always talk about the utility in nfts and just look at that how much would you have to pay to get in that room or meet the, how would you even meet those people? Or it wouldn't what even networking happen. opportunity would you have to go to? It wouldn't happen. You can't just get, unless you know somebody that can introduce you to those sorts of people, you can't get in the room. So for me, it's not about how much ETH that's worth. It's about the community and Moonbirds for me, like there's another, there's another guy I met through the Discord that runs like a venture syndicate that's looking to invest in a collective shift. You, you don't get meetings with those people. Like 
unless you know somebody that knows somebody that can introduce you, you know, this interconnected community where everyone's just like friends. If you own a Moonbird, you're, you're, you're friends. Doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. It's wild. It's like one of us. Yeah, it's, it's really this, cool. This is almost a thing where if they keep building in, because <clears throat> I heard Kevin Rose, the one of the founders of Proof Collective and Moonbirds, he was saying the mechanics where if they see like a group of Moonbird holders that are in Germany, they can interact through these, you know, e-commerce integrations that they're building out. Uh, they use the, the crypto community and they could have like a $2,000 bar tab and you could have your Moonbird yeah. and you can just swipe on that and they could do like a meetup and they don't even have to be there, like facilitating all this stuff. And the more utility they build in and even this networking stuff, like this is something you could hold for your lifetime and yeah. pass down to your kids that could then be in that community. Dude, so in New York next week, they're having the annual Moonbirds meetup in the middle of Manhattan. There's only 2,000 people that could get tickets. There's 10,000 Moonbird holders. I was lucky enough to get in. Moonbirds only. You get the you get the app, you sync up your MetaMask so you can like have your NFT on your phone. So that's how you get in. You scan your NFT and then you go. And they've got this whole night. They've got DJs. They've got like, it's a full Moonbirds only like event. It's going to be so sick. And then there's, a, there's another show on the other night that's only for witches and wizard NFT holders. So I've got a, I'm a wizard, I've got the cone head. It's a 120 person only event with this famous magician. It's a magic show for 120 <laughs> people. Uh, you probably- I bet it's gonna be like puppetry of the penis or something like that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't remember who this was- This is amazing. Is, so. Yeah. So for, the, for those that don't know, NFTs have lots of traits built into them, right? Like you might have laser eyes, you might have funny clothes, you may have a witch's hat, you might be gold. Um, so out of those 10,000, like Ben was saying, 120 have a witch's hat. So for those specific people only, you can then segment that whole 10,000 moonbirds and those people can be targeted, which is a phenomenal mechanic. There we go. Sorry, I don't know what's going on. Keep going. Those that's specific people only. Yeah, yeah, those specific, I was just saying you can segment those people and yeah. that's a phenomenal mechanic just to be able to target those individuals that have that trait. And people are even buying NFTs because they resonate what they look like or their personality with that NFT. That's it's wild, man. David Blaine, have you heard of David Blaine? The magician? Yeah, man, come yeah. on. He's the dude, he's doing a private 120 person show for the, the witches and wizards. He's like, he's like the best magician in the world. Yeah, that's going to be like a Michael Jackson, show. Michael Jackson magic, mate. <laughs> it's like at this private bar in New York next week. This is some real <laughs> rich people shit. Like, think about this. So you bought in this one NFT for 11 grand, right? And yep. this is and this is the beauty because I, I heard of this through some random Discord and the majority of people, and I was like, uh, kind of dismissed it. But then Matt, one of our uh, analysts, our head of research, he was just like, yeah, I'm about that life. This Smash is why. It. Provides yeah. provides like a summary to us. And he's like, if I don't get in and it's on market, I'm buying it six eighth. And I'm like, six eighth, son, <laughs> what are you doing? That's over 30 grand. And he's like, no, here's why. And I'm like, oh, now I understand. I need to get in. Like just him putting that in perspective and putting it on Collective Shift so I could read it was phenomenal. And just the amount of benefit that you guys have got already within the last couple of months, I reckon would have far exceeded what you would have paid to meet those people, get in those rooms, get the, you even it. got a drop the other week, which we don't know what it is, a little cocoon thing. Yeah, three ETH. We got like, you know, six grand. It was like a little, little piece of so fucking, you know. Three ETH is already more than you paid for the Moonbird. You paid two and a half ETH. Yeah, I got it in, in ETH terms, drop. you've already got your money back. 
you're playing with house money. How insane is that? And this is money can't buy stuff, right? You can't just rock up and just meet these people. Like it just doesn't happen that way. Um, it's so wild. There's, I've even seen mechanics now where you can fractionalize your NFT or you can lend it to someone, which is wild, or you can put it yeah. in a pool. So let's say I've got an ape, right? Like let's pretend I'm rich and I've got an ape. Why not? We all like to dream, don't we? So, <laughs> and they got eight fest, but I can't go. So I could then lend, put it in a contract, lend my NFT to someone. They can pay me some kind of money. I'll lend it to them for a week. They can then use that ape. They can get into all the conference stuff. They can meet all those people and then it's returned to me. The mechanics are just so good. Like it, the, the amount of utility people are building into this to bring people together is phenomenal. I love the yeah. crossover between digital life and real life. Totally. Bergs, that's been an hour, man. That's that's been fun. I've enjoyed it, mate. That was that felt like five minutes, son. Yeah, no, that was awesome. Uh, so yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed that first episode. Uh, my name's Ben. This is Bergs. If you want more, uh, we're gonna do it anyway, so I don't really care. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> sucked in. <laughs> <It's happened. laughs> Whether you want it or not, fresh on your plate. <laughs> But we're gonna come out. Tell me, gonna do these weekly. I'm gonna be in New York next week, folks. So we have to figure out fucking time zones again. But we'll yeah, figure we'll that out. We love some feedback. If you liked it, if you didn't like it, all feedback's good feedback. Any topics you want us to talk about? We want this to be about just shit that's fun. So crypto, business, sport, life, whatever, whatever's fun and exciting to talk about. Um, so so good, man. Like when we're coming into this, I'm like, oh man, podcast. My face is gonna be there. Haven't had a haircut. What are we gonna talk about? <laughs> They get in there, it's just like, oh, son, Scientology, mate, just go on the tangents. <laughs> <laughs> How good. This is awesome, mate. What a start to the week. I love it. I love it. Well, awesome. Thanks, mate. We'll uh, see you next week. All right, mate. Catch ya. See ya.